welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in the r and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Stat, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. And I'm your host, Karen Wickiam, coming to you from beautiful Morriston, Morriston, Ontario. That's right. I am out of town visiting with a very special person today. And her name is Dr. Sandra, whatchamacallit? No, Watson. We're welcoming Sandra to the show today because, well, she's a sister from another mister. Uh, Let's call you what? uh, Sister-in-law. That's what I say. Yeah, (laughs) works out. Um, So it's Mary's brother's partner. There we go. If you guys can unravel that, that, we'll leave that to you. So I was talking to Sandra and and we're saying that what would be so cool to do an episode about bets, bets. All of it, right? So, Sandra, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell just a quick, more than what I said anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, My name is Dr. Sandra Watson, and I own a a small animal veterinary practice in Waterdown, Ontario. That's just north of Burlington and Hamilton, um, between uh, Guelph and the north end of Burlington. I've had that practice 25 years this year. We're celebrating 25 years. Uh, I've been practicing for 30. Uh, Graduated in 1990 and from the University of Guelph and practiced small animal medicine since then. Uh, Six years in a small animal practice in Mississauga where I learned uh, to cut my teeth on um, medicine and surgery and then decided after six years it was time to branch out on my own opened up the practice in Waterdown and seen it grow exponentially since establishing it 25 years ago. And uh, at the point now that it's pretty well self-run, I still go in on more of an administrative capacity, but still practice uh, small animal medicine with my associates. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. That's amazing. When did you, um, when did you start? Like what made you decide or make you go, okay, that's it. I want to be a vet. Like since you're young Uh, or... It, there was never any question in my mind. I was always going to be a vet since I was a little, but it's every kid's dream. So to actually yeah. make it a reality, it's a big thing. But now, that was a driven goal for me that I only ever wanted to be a vet. Now, my understanding is that you started this quite young. Yeah. yeah. You're, uh, she's, she's a little smart. <laughs> I was 23 when I graduated from vet school. I was the second youngest in my class. One girl was two weeks younger than me. You started when you were 17, though, right? Yeah. That's incredible. I started University of Guelph at 17. I think Mary told me that, and I'm like, oh, that is unbelievable. (laughs) Like, I mean, a lot of 17-year-olds are just, you know, still uh, running around getting into trouble. And here you are at university. University of Guelph, too, is in Canada, in Ontario, is the place to go to become a vet. It's like the the creme de la creme. Yep. It's the biggest and oldest vet school in Canada. That's incredible. And it's ranked third in the world, um, first in Canada, obviously. And uh, I think third in the world or third in the U.S. I think the data just came out a few months ago on the rankings. And and Guelph always ranks really, really high. That's something to be proud of. As for like as in, as a Canadian or Ontarian, is it Ontarian? Yeah. <laughs> Ontarian. Um, to know that we have um, such excellent education, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that that's really cool. So um, okay, well, so what? How did you decide that you wanted to work with smaller animals versus? The big, the big, yeah. big guys. I always wanted. I always knew I wanted to work with small animals. Um, Going through the vet school program, you do have to do uh, an externship between third and fourth year that's funded by the government. And the government requires that that externship has at least four weeks in large animal. So you have to actually tag along with a large animal vet for a summer to uh, learn the trade of being a large animal vet because going through vet school, most vets go in through to small animals and they really, really need a lot of large animal vets. So I did a summer doing large animals. It was by far the best summer of my life. Oh, really? All I did was sit in a truck, banter around with the vet that was teaching me, 
um, palpated a few cows, did a few corn trimmings, few shoe trimmings, and it was just a great, great summer. Oh man, that sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, after that is fourth year, that's the year that you do um, all your clinical work and then graduate. But I was so, I knew after the end of my summer of third year that it solidified that I wanted to stay in small animal to the point that my uh, small animal uh, externship supervisor, my large animal externship supervisor took me aside and goes, you should go into small animals. <laughs> I'm like, I already figured yeah, that out. <laughs> but anyway. So when you say small animals, we're talking about cats and dogs, um, any little creatures? Yeah, we do. We call them pocket pets. Uh, pocket pets are things like rats, hamsters, rats. rodents. Uh, we also deal with rabbits. Hmm. Uh, we just choose that that's going to be what we're going to deal with. We don't deal with avian or reptile by choice. Um, and in Is Ontario- Is that considered the exotics? They're ex yeah, yeah, they're considered exotics, yeah. And then also my practice is only licensed for small animals, which means I cannot practice on large animals. Um, I don't practice with cows, pigs, horses, sheep, llamas, etc. All those. So, okay. Follow through with me on this one. I'm not trying to be a dick, okay? <laughs> It pisses me off. Some people say, talking about doctors, and I and I say vets are some of the smartest doctors out there. Mm -hmm. They can't even hold a candle to say like a GP, because that's this is my opinion. Because you have to know, not just okay, you got humans, and we're pretty much the same, right? right. Yeah. But cats are different than dogs right. and different creatures, so yeah. you need to know all these animals. How their systems work. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then you see on, on shows, it's like, is there a doctor on the plane? Well, no, there's a vet. And I'd be like, I'll take the fucking vet over the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. As veterinarians, at least I'm not saying you're disrespected, but I think some people don't realize the level of education, knowledge, and just scientific exactly. biology, yeah. anatomy, physiology, anatomy, yeah. anatomy. <laughs> but you you need to understand. I mean, me, me being a nurse, um, I mean, I can't possibly understand... Um, what you know, but I can respect that you have to have like a huge knowledge. Yeah. Right. I think, um, oh, I think that, 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 that tide has changed. I think people don't come to me anymore and say, oh, you're not a real doctor. Back 30 years ago, yeah. we were not real doctors, but now I think, especially with the one health movement, understanding that animals um, and people are interrelated mm -hmm. and learning and working together with both the human uh, healthcare system and the animal healthcare system, we can learn a lot from each other. Absolutely. So that One Health movement, I think, has really changed the outlook of what veterinarians are. I don't feel disrespected. Good. I feel that when I go and I, if I'm getting any kind of medical procedure, diagnostic procedure, I just say I'm a vet and the tone changes. They don't with talk the so much down to you, they, they talk with, they to talk, you with you. Yeah, they talk to my level because yeah. they understand that we understand it. Yeah. So I don't feel, you know, I think 30 years has made a difference in the paradigm shift of understanding yeah. veterinarians and their roles with animals. And, and especially if you own a pet and you understand what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and the challenges we face, I don't think people think of us as not doctors anymore. Yeah, dear, um, what you guys, do, like I said, I uh, uh, like as much as respect as I can give, I'm giving it because mm -hmm. I just, I understand uh, as best as I can yep. that, you know, your, what you, your education, your knowledge, your, you know, yep. smarts. And like I said, you know, if it was in an apocalypse, I'd rather have a vet with yeah. me. <laughs> well, <laughs> And that's and to speak to your previous point, you know though, what I'm saying. It's yeah. like I there's in so many ways. It's like I I just think um, and and vets I think are a lot more kind to their patients well, than we, some doctors. We are. can't we we well we can be quite empathetic, especially if you realize the fact that we're dealing with a patient that can't speak. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as pediatricians dealing with children that yeah. can't necessarily verbalize what their concerns are. Well, I've worked in peds for, for many years. And yeah. it, that's so true is that um, you have to know how to read them. You have to know, like you have to pay attention. You have to see all these signs that maybe some people wouldn't notice. But more importantly, we have to know the right questions to ask the owners 
to get the information we need. So it's not, is he vomiting, but how many times has he vomited in this period of time? And if you don't ask the question, the owners may discard it or not think it's a valid or important Mm -hmm. piece of information, but it ends up being very pivotal. It could be, yeah, critical to what you're... Absolutely. Well, I know because uh, Sandra has helped take care of, uh, help us take care of our pets. We've had... uh, a run of some unfortunate situations and you were absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, we couldn't, uh, I don't think we would have just your, your compassion, your business. Oh my God. It's not a business. It feels like a family when you go there. Oh, it's very much a family. It's That's so, how I run it. Yeah. It's so comfortable. Your staff are amazing. Yeah. I don't even like saying staff, but you know my what team. I mean? Your team is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, just it's it's just this warm feeling when you walk in. You yeah. know, some places can feel very clinical, but yeah. uh, oh, no. not at all. I, I think it's cool that you even got a section for dogs and a section for cats because yeah. you know it's part of, of our fear free movement. We have uh, uh, the vet industry is going through a massive uh, change. Again, another paradigm shift of understanding that pets actually are fearful, um, especially coming into situations, and in this case, coming into vet clinics. And it's been a movement for about seven years now. We jumped on as soon as we heard about it. So about five or six years, our clinic's been part of a fear-free movement. And it's understanding and reading animals and their body language and their anxiety when they come into a vet clinic. And it was established and developed by veterinary behavioralists that understood that why is it that a dog can go into a pet store wagging its tail with its owner But the minute it approaches a vet clinic door, that behavior changes Mm -hmm. for the exact same pet. So we understand that that pet's behavior changes when it approaches a vet clinic door. So we looked into it or some veterinary behavioralists looked into it and identified that there's certain cues and reactions, not only with the pet, the pet owner and the veterinary staff, but also the smells and the environment. So we try and deconstruct that, break it down so that we can start working with pets so that they do feel comfortable. You have some, um, I've noticed when uh, we've bought, brought our pets in to the room, is it, um, it's like an anti-anxiety pheromone. pheromone. Yeah. yeah. We have pheromone. That was really cool when yeah. I saw that. We have pheromone. They've identified uh, pheromones in veterinary medicine that have calming effects. There's specific pheromones that have been identified for cats and there's specific pheromones that have been identified for dogs. So we have designated areas in our clinics, particularly in our waiting room, that is designated for cat only and dog only. So on yeah, the dog only side, we have the pheromones for dogs. On the cat only side, we have the pheromones for cats. And then we have four exam rooms, two of which are designated for cats. So there are cat pheromones in those rooms. And the two dog ones have dog pheromones in that room. That's They're plug-in amazing. diffusers that are plugged into the wall outlet and emit a pheromone that has a calming effect. That's just one level of uh, fear-free that we work with. Um, we work with touch. We work with uh, stimuli. We try and identify each pet what they're responding to. And we note that in their files. So the next time the pet comes in, if that pet responds to a specific treat, we give that pet that treat. Mm-hmm. If they no longer respond to that treat, we we up our game. Okay. It's called a treat ladder we work with. So we start with something very basic. See, that's cool. I didn't know about any of this stuff. And I don't think a lot of people know about this. Yeah, yeah. So we start with edible treats. Then we'll move up to things like um, cheese whiz. We'll use oh. uh, whipped cream. Um, we'll use all kinds of different treats. So it's like incentives and... It, it's t- it's meant to, so that the pet identifies that when they come to yeah. the clinic, I'm gonna although get cream. <laughs> things can happen to them, <laughs> yeah. let's work with them so we can reduce their anxiety so that it brings that level down. So it makes it, it's, makes it easy for the pet. It makes it better for the client. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is the effect it has on my team. People don't want to sit on a dog to trim its nails. Yes. And if we can figure out a way to treat that particular dog's nails with the least amount of anxiety, whether it's treats, whether it's touch, in some some cases we send clients home with what are called PVPs, so pre-veterinary visit pharmaceuticals. So we'll give them something to give. So if we've identified a pet that has a really high anxiety level, Mm -hmm. that treats don't work, touch doesn't work, nothing works. So we'll send that that pet home with anti-anxiety medication to give prior to visit. So it just takes it down a step. 
Sometimes that doesn't work. Some pets, especially some dogs that can be very aggressive, we can identify those pets. We try the PVCs. If it doesn't work, the owners are already informed that when that pet comes in, it's going to be given an injection to sedate it. And we take that Safety. anxiety off the pet mm -hmm. and off the team members because mm -hmm. they we don't want three people lying on a chihuahua just to trim its nails. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the past, that's what we did to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Now we're taking a step back. Sometimes we'll send the pet home. It'll come in for a nail trim. We'll say, you know what? His anxiety is too high. He's going to go home. You're going to give this. You're going to come back in a few days. We're going to try again. That's, I mean, I just, I love that approach. Yeah. It's, it's just such a, um, if it makes any sense, like a humane. It's humane. It is. Yeah. I was going to say humanitarian. Humane. So yeah. humane is the right word uh, yeah. approach to it. Um, because, you know, some of the things I was thinking, like, you know, they would pick up on smell. They would pick up on like that white coat syndrome uh -huh. coming from the the, the owners. Yeah, and... Some pets actually have on their um, emotional profile, do not wear white coat. Yeah. Because they, just... they have identified, I've identified that pet when I walk into a room with a white coat. That pet reacts differently than if oh, I walk in with a blue surgical scrub. Even our yeah. surgical scrubs are the color that have been identified as fear-free. Really? So, light so what color is that? It's light blue, light blue. in color. Cool. Um, the pastels is what's been identified in pets to help reduce anxiety. So everything from ventilation to um, eye contact to smells um, and everything has been addressed through the fear-free movement. And we follow that doctrine. That's incredible. I've just even seen when we've uh, brought our pets in, just even how it's like it truly is to me like that kind of animal whisperer thing. It's like you and your staff sort of zone in, yeah. if that's the right word. And, and then how you come and touch and, and, and examine them. I'm like, you totally are connecting on some level with this pet, right. with yeah. this animal. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think... You know, it's it's a it's a gift like like anything. Some people have it, some people don't. And mm -hmm. but I mean, you're you're so invested into this. Um, like you said, the the uh, uh, as comfortable an environment as possible yep. for the animals. And I, I just think that's amazing. Um, yeah. And and fear free is the movement that's like I said started in the U.S. But what I really like about them as well is that they have a two websites: one for veterinarians to help educate. But there's a whole fear-free website just for um, pet owners. And it talks about everything, everything you want to learn about your pet, how to trim its nails without it being anxious, how to properly, um, you know, house train a dog, how to properly um, discipline, etc. Everything has been designed through the fear-free. And it's, a, it's a, mu a multitude of veterinary behavioral professionals that are, that are behavioral specialists that have designed and produced this amazing program. We're the third clinic in Canada, and the second clinic on Ontario to be certified as a fear-free practice. Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I um yeah, I, I just I just think it's absolutely incredible the the knowledge, the the attention that is that's been um put toward I mean, these are little creatures, little beings that deserve the best that can be given. And I know that I feel very fortunate that um, that we are able to, like, the, it's like night and day. Let's just say from different places I've yeah. gone into. Not that oh, they were sure. unkind, but it no. just it was it was uh, very different. Um, the one cat I brought in, uh, he um, meatball. Yeah. <laughs> there was fireworks uh, on New Year's, and it really, really got him in bad shape. I oh, remember we yeah, took yeah. him to him. He ended up with a, a bladder. Right. Was inflammatory it... uh, in, um, idiopathic cystitis yeah yeah so he um and he was really it just he was so anxious it really very it tra it traumatized him. oh yeah. yeah and then of course like he got better and then you suggested this food that has uh -huh. like it's good for for um you know the the bladder the yeah. kidneys Ur that... urinary health and it, it helps has... improve it's urinary health yeah. but it also has a calming effect that's on it. and it's you know what i can tell you i've noticed we've noticed a huge difference yeah things yeah. that used to be because i mean we live in an apartment so there's lots of banging we live by a highway right yeah. we've got some idiot neighbors that, yeah. <laughs> that are loud and ridiculous and slam their doors and before he would be pyong, gone yeah. now he's cautious yeah and you know aware but he's nowhere near to what he 
used to be. And it's had enough. We wow. feed all the cats it now. Yep. And yeah. so we just think like all in all, it's just been amazing that yeah. just behavioral difference. Um, yeah. And it, and the, and the nice thing about that diet, it's a medicated, it's not a medicated diet. It's a prescription diet, Yeah. but it can't have medication in it or otherwise you wouldn't be able to sell it as pet food. Yeah. But what it has in it is natural ingredients that have been identified even in humans to have calming effects. Mm-hmm. So number one is casein. Casein okay. is what's found in milk. So when people say drink warm milk to go to bed, to go to sleep, that's what casein does. And it has tryptophan, which is found in turkey. So we know when we have a turkey dinner, we get yeah. tired. Comatose and, on the yeah. couch. <laughs> and those two ingredients, so they add natural ingredients to the diet. They don't actually add medication and to it's the all, diet. And it's all chemistry and how it works on your body. So exactly. it's, it's like, you know, people, lavender and different things. I know essential oils are pretty much not the greatest thing in the world. And I know they're not good for animals. They're not. There's nothing wrong with essential oils. That's really? just one of those things that went through a viral on the internet. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it unless they eat it, which they won't. Okay. So, so if they no, you can. Because we won't take a bath like with a no. eucalyptus because we're like, what no. if the cats come in the room? Okay. The, no. <laughs> Doesn't have that effect. That was kind we're of about like, five years ago. It became, or candles. We like didn't want to have well, candles. Well, some candles I worry about. There is a particular candle, the Yankee candles, that um, I've had clients burn and their dogs have had a reaction to it. Oh, but okay. it's not the smell. There's got to be something that's in the I wax. I know it's paraffin wax that they yeah, use. Yeah, there's got to be that. something in it that have ha- that I've had some dogs react to, like an asthma attack. Really? Yeah, but um, so that's where I would say just, you know, burn, burn a candle burn a diffuser yeah. and see the pet's response. And, and if they respond negatively, just don't oh, do yeah, it. You, just, you stop yeah, it. Yeah, you just stop it. But there's nothing inherently wrong with uh, essential oils. I did a big deep dive into it a few years ago because it was making a, 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 its rounds on the internet. It seemed like Febreze, right? Like every, this big thing 10 years ago that Febreze was killing animals. But if you see the Febreze commercials, there's always an animal in it. <laughs> Because it was a wife, it was yeah. a, it was a wife's tale. Somebody got on the internet and said, "My dog had a seizure after I sprayed Febreze." Well, guess what? Your dog was probably going to have a seizure whether you sprayed exactly. Febreze or not. It's and like then, don't get a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic yeah, because exactly. you know what? It may oh, they, cause they inject little microprocessors well, in it that's going to reprogram your brain. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> clearly I've got a microchip in me now. So. I know exactly. There you go. <laughs> I didn't have to put my tinfoil hat on. Yeah, to- exactly. But that's that's the type of thing. So if you see Febreze commercials with a dog in it, it's meant to say, you know what, that was that's okay because they can get a lot of shit if yeah. they were doing and that. And there's nothing wrong with essential oils. I have essential oils in my house. Okay. I burn them all the time. My pets don't care. Now I want to move on to some. You guys, there might be a little bit of feedback when I do this. I'm going to try to fix it. Electronics can be brutal. Um, because I want to I want to ask Sandra some of the questions I put out to the Facebook group. Oh, oh where to go? Okay, well, let's start with one of them. Um one of the members her name is uh Taryn Hyden. No, Nyden. I always say it wrong. She knows I always say her last name wrong. <laughs> okay, so you have to understand the people in the Facebook group are some of the best people that I know. I've actually I've got friends that I've never met. But oh, I can yeah. call them friends. Oh wow! Just because we've connected on the group and we talk outside of the group. Um, my one of my favorite people in the world is Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. <laughs> um, she is a administrator um, on the on my Facebook group, oh, wow, and good. she's incredible. But there's a lot of people that I just absolutely love, and they're funny. Uh-huh. Like, these are just heartwarming, loving, compassionate, and completely goofy people. <laughs> so. You have to understand some of, and I know you are too. So you have to understand. Let's write my wheelhouse. Take take these uh, these questions with a grain of salt. So, um, because I can't find it on my phone right now, I'm gonna just ask it. So, so uh, Taryn was asking. (laughs) She said, "Why are anal glands a thing?" That's a good, that's a really yeah, good question. She's like, that's a good question. Okay. So anal glands. I think she was being funny, but I think she really wants to know. No, no, but it. Pretty well every mammal, I, I think, pretty well every mammal, and humans, uh, I think hemorrhoids are a vestigial organ of the anal glands. But anyway, <laughs> anal glands are used. Is that like our, our a tail that we used to yeah, have? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think the anal gland disappeared and then we just have hemorrhoids. So <laughs> just hey. Well, uh, we said don't really stink anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you well, hope? Well, well maybe. <laughs> 
So anal glands, let me explain to you what anal glands are. Anal glands are two glands located just inside the rectum at the four o'clock and eight o'clock position if you're looking at the back end of a dog with the tail raised up. Dogs and cats both have it. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure what other mammals have it, but anyway, it's used for marking territory. So when a pet defecates, they release a little bit of this anal gland material on the fecal matter, and it's used to mark territory. So it's like when they urinate as well. So it's just another way to... The, it doesn't come out when they urinate. It comes oh. out when cats spray. Spray. There, there's That's, a difference. Okay, can yeah. you explain that? Because yeah. I... All right. So anal glands in dogs, when a dog defecates, if you watch a dog, especially a large breed dog, because you can watch it posturing to defecate. Yeah. At the end of a bowel movement, you'll see one or two drops dropping out. That's the okay. anal gland fluid. And it's used to mark that fecal matter with that pet scent. So that's like, uh, you know, Bruce, the dog named Bruce. I always want a dog name. I want to, my next dog, because if it's a boy, I'm naming him Bruce. <laughs> I love that name for a dog. I really love that. Yeah. So Bruce is saying, I live here. Yep. And this is my, this is my territory. Yeah. Okay. So um, they secrete the anal glands, which is a normal function. What happens though, I think with our domestication process, some animals have the, the muscles that contract the anal glands may be weakened. Okay. Or if they don't release them on a regular basis, that anal fluid, instead of being liquid, becomes more toothpastey. And so what happens is they get obstructed. <laughs> I don't know how you do with that. Oh, so they get they get a I little bit so thickened. <laughs> so they get a little bit thickened, and so sometimes they can't express it. And mm. the clinical sign we see is the dog mm. starts to scoop. So it starts scooting oh. its butt, and if it does a scoot, like Carson scoots all the time. I love that word. After oh, he's out there doing the boot scoot boogie. <laughs> So um, when dogs do scoot, it may it might mean that their anal glands are full. Carson, my dog, scoots after yeah. every bowel movement. I think it's just his way of cleaning his yeah. butt. Um, but if it happens for several days and the dog is continuously scooting or starting to lick at the area, it's a sign that that anal gland is impacted. Yeah. And so it's a matter of just bringing it to a vet. And groomers can do this as well, where they just squeeze and express the glands. So we empty them in a sense, and then we just... Wait and see what happens. Next. Happens. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, there's there's the story of the <laughs> anal gland and why it's a thing. Uh, and um, cats for spraying will spray. What? So cats that are intact. So, di- so it's not. It's it's coming out of a, a different spot. So cats. The cats that are intact will spray to mark territory, and what they do is actually release from two sites. Okay. They're releasing the the urine. And they're releasing the anal gland at the same time. Oh. So they spray on a on a. On a on a sorry, they spray on a vertical surface. Okay. And when they spray on a vertical surface, it's marking territory, as opposed to a cat that urinates. A cat that's actually just urinating is is urinating on a horizontal surface. Okay, so things I've noticed, like in my cats, and they don't spray, but they do this little like they do the tails, yeah, the tail like the tail twitch. And backing up is yeah. their attempt to spray, but if they're neutered or spayed, they actually don't release their anal glands or the urine. Like my one little crazy guy, Finn, he's just, oh, he's crazy. I love him so much. He's just a wild little man. He's just a sweetheart. But every once in a while, he just gets in those moods where you're like, patoon, patoon, like yeah, yeah. and then he'll just, his tail will go. Yeah, yeah. And he's not even looking like he's backing up, but he's like all excited. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I know that he doesn't spray. I don't think he can because he's been fixed. Yeah. But, um, Oh my god! So I, I, t- for, I, yeah, for a little can... while, I'm like, oh my god, is he is he spraying? No, but he's just, he probably won't. He's just excited. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and my cats do like if they see something that really triggers them, they'll either uh, twitch their tail or sometimes they'll chatter. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And they get their little looks yeah. like a the rattlesnake going. Exactly. Okay, we have another question here. There's a feedback from the phone. Um, okay. This is from Lorraine. Remember? <laughs> Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. My dog, Penny, used to eat grass very often. Contrary to what everyone was trying to tell me, I believe she did not eat it because she had an upset stomach. So does this mean she was half bovine? <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine's from Wales. She's the best. <laughs> we actually don't know why dogs eat grass. Um, there is some thought that they're doing it because they have an upset stomach and they're trying to evoke Emesis, emesis, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and most likely, I do definitely see animals that have upset stomachs that go to eat grass. So 
there's a primary problem with the GI tract. And for some reason, there's a motion for that dog to go and eat grass. We don't know why they do and it. And some dogs just like eating grass. And some dogs like eating grass. <laughs> when I let my cats out, they were out before you got here mm -hmm. an hour ago, they were just mowing down on grass. And I know they're going to throw up because they always do. <laughs> they the always grass do. is an irritant to their stomach lining. Oh, okay. It's not toxic in any way, but it is an irritant. Yeah. So they'll vomit. But if they don't vomit at all, they'll pass it in their bowel movement. So it's, it's actually it's totally not okay. harmful at all. Okay, this next question, question I'm really, really, it's from uh, Sonia. I thought it was cool, and I've thought this myself. Okay, so I don't know how much you're on social media and stuff, or you probably are aware of this. People that get all these buttons that say yes, no, so they line up, so Sandra's looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> so you know, like the, the staples button that oh, you yeah, can yeah, press? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they get stop. all these like for their dogs and they have, they are like, um, they might have like 20 different words. Okay. So it'll say like play, toy, yes, no. So the bear, the owner will go, the dog will stand there and go and touch one of the buttons and it says play. And so... The uh, the person will say, oh, you want to play? And the dog will go, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so you're teaching your dog to communicate. So, so, so do you believe that this is... Okay, so what Sonia is asking, I'm just going to paraphrase it, is are, it's kind of like wishful thinking from our point, from human beings going, are we interpreting them touching these buttons because that's what we want to believe? Or is it possible that these these dogs are actually understanding and processing that's it. a really good question so do you have any i really think animals have more cognitive ability than we give them credit for oh, i agree with i you. don't think they're just um brainstem so you don't think it's random that they're like they're oh i, I, I think, agree with you I mean, I look think, at police dogs yeah. and all these other working dogs absolutely i definitely think animals have certain levels of intellect mm -hmm. and i think that there are some animals there are certain breeds that have more intellect level than other breeds she so sent me that's a link interesting then i'm going to send to you and i'll there's a couple videos i'll send them to you yeah. and maybe you can check them out but there's this one dog he's um he's on tiktok and he's really popular yeah. and um, he's a poodle, uh, standard poodle. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it's for real. Because she'll only... ask a certain question and it's like, he's not going cookie, cookie. Like he's actually <laughs> sort of. You have to watch, you have to watch the whole scene because I think certain people have certain tells that yeah. they tell the dog. And the dog is just reacting to the dog, the, the tell. They're looking at the owner for the cue. <laughs> Um, so they might move their head a certain way. They might move a foot a certain way that the dog picks up on. There are dogs that have high levels of intelligence that can read their owner and know exactly what they want. Yeah. And I think that's a matter of the dog's intellect and the owner's training. How much they're giving it away. But when it comes to that type of thing where you're videotaping, if you don't see the whole environment that you can see if the person's giving okay. the dog a tell... I would say that you'd have to really question that. I have I have one particular client. She's one of my best clients. Um, she can actually tell her dog, and I believe her. She can tell her dog to go to the to, to the toy box and get the blue ball, and the dog will get the blue ball. That's incredible. Versus the red ball. So there are some dogs like I've tried to do that with Carson. I don't think his intellect is there. Mm -hmm. I'll say go get your bone. And he'll just go get something randomly. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I do believe I've seen highly trained dogs, highly educated dogs mm -hmm. that really do understand and that have some level of cognitive ability that they can reason and problem solve. Uh, that's incredible. I, I, you see, I want to believe that and I lean towards it. I just don't know enough. I think they and do. And I know I think... that animals, certain animals more than others are, are intelligent. I don't doubt yeah. that for a second. Yeah. Um, so, God, what was I going to say? Oh, I watched this video uh, where um, this family adopted a retired police dog. Oh, yeah. So the dog's just sitting there and they're saying, they're pretending to make a grocery grocery list. And the dog's just sitting there and he goes, uh, bread, milk, cheese, cocaine. And the dog goes, whoo, 
and his head just snaps yeah, yeah. and his ears go up like he's not upset but he's like he knows like yeah, that's he knows that's my job that's what i'm turn and it was just yeah. like i watch it over and over and he's just like do but do but do cocaine and he's just yeah. he's on and ready to go yeah but not like i said in an angry way like oh that's yeah, my job just ready to work yeah and yeah. i just went oh my god yeah i love german shepherds yeah. But there, but it's it's interesting that the level of intellect that certain dogs have. Um, not only I think there's certain breeds that are much more intelligent, but then also it comes with the training, right? Yeah, so yeah, it really for sure. Comes down to the training. I think I was I was reading that um, like border collies. Border collies are one of the smartest breeds. Yeah, but don't forget too when you're working with those breeds, especially working dogs, the dogs that you see that are on the police force have been vetted already, right? Yeah. You don't have the stupid dog that doesn't know how to answer a command. That dog's already been retired yeah. and fostered. The ones that are the elite are the ones that have made it through the program. Wow. So that's what you see. You're seeing the cream of the crop, mm -hmm. but don't forget there's probably about 10 dogs that didn't make it through yeah, the program, yeah. right? So you got to take that with a level of, you know, um, um, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> criticism. Salt, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible when I see uh, dogs that are just hardwired. Oh yeah, I mean that's who they are. That's, yeah. this is what wh this is what's in me I, to 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 drive me like beagles. You yeah. know, like yeah, it's and, like and hounds. Yeah, and if you see police dogs, you know what the reward is? Mm -mm. Their reward is a toy. Oh, they're trained, and if you see police dogs in training, because I so I, is it I've their own toy? Them. Yeah. So, so they the, get their toy to play with. Yeah. That's what their drive is, is their toy. So with police dog training, they train to the point that the dog It's not desires, like a steak, right? No, it's not a steak. <laughs> it's a toy. Here's your And that steak. toy is usually kept with the police officer. Aww. And their reward is when they do what they're supposed to, they get their toy. And that's they, incredible. And it's incredible the level of training that these dogs go through. These working dogs, it's amazing. I've seen them in action and it's... It just blows my mind every time. Like I didn't know corgis were working dogs. Corgis, yeah. I had They're no idea. Really intelligent. Yeah. One of the one of the best trained dogs I ever met early, early in my career was a corgi. Was a corgi. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get yeah. a, a dog again one day. But it's fun though. Yeah. yeah. There's so much fun. Yeah. Next dog I, I get. Like I mean, I really <clears throat> growing up in the when my son when van was young uh, he's been around pets forever and they were the family dog yeah do you know what i mean and it didn't wasn't all that concerned about um lots of training and that you know right they, they yeah. learned you know sit yeah, and, yeah. and th those kind of things but the next dog i want to get i want to just like really connect yeah on like this isn't the family's dog like from here now this is our dog yeah does that make any sense oh yeah and just like give them that um full full attention not that you know what i'm saying like just from a yeah. pop up and say all right you're you're my guy you're my girl here yeah. and let's just like you know let's just like have as best of life together do you know what i mean yeah. when i'm saying it like it's absolutely it's a totally yeah. different role you yeah. know yeah so I, I just look forward to that yeah. you know one day because they're so amazing i miss having a dog yeah. around <laughs> but we had coco for 16 years and yeah. it's hard to like for me and, and mary it was hard to even think about uh, getting another dog at that point. We, oh, yeah. And we still go, oh, Coco. Yeah. You know, like, it'll always be, oh, Coco. Yeah. <laughs> you know I get I mean? that. I get that. I have clients on different extremes. I have clients yeah. when they lose a pet come in the next week with a new pet. And I have clients that take four or five years to come in with a new pet. I don't think there's anything wrong with either yeah. of the scenarios. I went through the same thing when I suddenly lost my first Rottweiler, oh. um, sudden death. And... So my heart was broken over that. Mm -hmm. And but then when I lost my second Rottweiler due to cancer, so it was a longer process, the pain was just a sharp. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter that I lost one suddenly, unexpectedly versus one where I made a decision to euthanize. And I often wondered if it would feel different. And when I went through it personally, I realized it doesn't feel any different. That loss, whether it's sudden or a, a gradual decision, a gradual decline to the point that you make mm -hmm. a decision to euthanize is just a sharp. And I, I, I don't think it's. I, and so when people. So I did two things. One, I took a while to get a dog, a second dog. Mm -hmm. 
and or I went and, and, and got one immediately right away. Yeah. It still felt the same. So yeah. I don't criticize or judge people if they want to go out and get a pet right away. Yeah, sure. And and on the flip side of people, when I take a few years, I'm just happy that they come back. You're so right about the, um, I mean, I can speak from personal experience from what you were saying, because when we brought Coco, she was 16 and we agreed, you know, like it, she was suffering more than right. any quality of life. So it was her time. And then Sam, our cat, it was just sort of sudden. Yeah. And I didn't, this is, it's so, it's, I knew, okay, so from Coker's perspective, I was like, this is going to really hurt because she's been in my life for so long. And then from Sam's perspective, we figured that she had some kind of brain lesion because she yeah, just the way she, she deteriorated really and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought... Um, this is going to maybe hurt a little less because I know she yeah. has an acute disease that came on and we absolutely have to do this. When it, when she was euthanized, I, my, I was like, I felt like I got kicked in the chest. Like I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it. Yeah. I really did. Cause it was like, not that I'm callous and also being a nurse, it's like, okay, they're out of the pain. But I was like, oh my God, this hurts just as much. It does. Yeah. Um, whether it's short term or long time coming and yeah. Yeah, I know we've talked about my pets a bit, but again, we're just so appreciative of the wonderful care that you've uh, given us. And hopefully when I get my pop one Thank day. Thank you. <laughs> well, we can't wait to meet him. So. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when I took Finn in to get fixed and I was looking at his incision, I'm like, or it was just a little, and I was like, that's the cleanest, best incision I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, she's good, man. She could be a plastic surgeon. <laughs> Like, nice job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like his balls weren't attached to his nose at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was so good. I was like, yeah. oh my god. Okay, so I want if maybe we can end this with um today. I would love to have you back on and do of this course. another time. Are we ending it? Uh, Shit. yeah, I know, yeah, I know. No, we'll been, do a part two. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let's, let's yeah, yeah. just let's end this and we'll, we'll yeah. keep them. They'll be like, Karen, I love Sandra. When are you going to blah, blah, blah. And I'll have a million questions. <laughs> okay, and they'll be good. like, get her on again. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee oh, for you. Sure. Oh, I love this. Yes. Okay. So, um, pet peeves. Give them some. Okay. Either a couple of your pet peeves or maybe a funny story or two. Oh, Whatever you decide. One. That's a good one. Put you on the spot. How about this? People that think they know what medication to give, they're, 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 they'll say, oh, I'll just give the dog a Tylenol. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so what... that I think that's the one that bothers me the most because you can get away with giving your dog a Tylenol, but you cannot give, get away with giving your cat a Tylenol. Okay, Tylenol is very toxic to cats. They're actually, their blood actually turns brown. So when we do a blood draw and it's brown, it's like, that's a Tylenol toxicity because it changes the hemoglobin. Holy shit. So cats, and cats have a slightly different liver. Their metabolism in their liver is slightly different. So there's a lot of drugs we can use simultaneously in cats and dogs and humans, but there's a lot we can't in cats. So that's, I think that's what annoys me. Um, and I people think, think that they can treat the animal at home. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the hardest. Like if they get a bee the, sting, if they're the okay and their throat and their airways intact, you could put you something could, to help soothe it at well, home. Or right? you can get Benadryl. Like that's yeah. pretty, you know, easy. But I think, I think where that hit home is when people try and self-medicate is when I had a physician self-medicate his dog for pain and used naproxen and he killed the dog. Like, oh my God. Don't use naproxen in dogs. And um, see, that's kind of arrogance and irresponsibility. That's what upsets me. Makes me insane. You yeah. killed your dog because why? Because okay, no, you didn't go out to say I'm going to kill my dog, but you have this irresponsible arrogance that you know I've got this handled. You yeah. can't. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to say, well, I'm going to give whatever specific medication you give for nausea, say for a dog, unless it is the same yeah. thing, to to a human. Yeah. It it depends because some dog some some drugs we can interchange. Mm -hmm. Dosages can be different, though, too. It's by weight, right? It's by weight. Mm -hmm. And with, I don't know with people, they just use a generic dose for everything. But in people... Up until a certain age and certain weight. And so in children, it's like most... Well, all drugs are by weight. Yeah. Until they hit a certain weight or age, depending on the drug and their... their um, 
their metabolism yeah, because yeah. like what people don't understand that with children children that have cancer that get chemo they get sometimes four times the amount that an adult can handle yeah, yeah. because they're yeah it's because their yeah. livers and their kidneys and yeah. all of that are just they're they're healthy yeah. and fresh and they can take it where yeah. we can't so yeah um so up until a certain past in age, you can say, okay, well, you can give that, you know, yeah. 325 of, of Tylenol yeah. Yeah. before it was like, you know, 100 milligrams or whatever. So it's yeah. the same with pets, right? Yeah. It, with pets, it's all weight-based. Yeah. So we do everything that's weight-based. So we, we calculate all our drugs that way. So that was, I think that's my biggest pet peeve. I don't mind people going on the internet. I don't mind people coming already with information. Yeah. But, where I have trouble with, I think, is deconstructing some tales that people learn. And I think I think I have to say my biggest pet peeve is dealing with clients that have come from the breeder. So they just bought their dog. The breeder says, you have to feed this food for my warranty to, to be effective. Uh, and I'm like, why? Why is a warranty tied to the food that you're recommending? And most of the times you're recommending crap. So and what's the incentive the, from the breeder? Are they getting like... I don't know. I don't know if they have an agreement with the pet food industry. I just have a problem with a that. warranty attached to a being though. I, I have, get it. I but... have a trouble with a warranty, period. Because That's what if I mean. Read... Like, How do you attach a warranty to a living creature? Well, I just... if you read the warranty... Because they're family. But what does Sorry. the warranty say? <laughs> I don't know. The warranty says if this dog has a genetic defect, you are to return the dog. Not, I will give you your money back. Not, I will pay for your vet bills. Return the dog. Well, I had a client two weeks ago that came in mm -hmm. with a dog that was, it was a puppy. It was an eight-week-old puppy. And it was dribbling urine all the time. Mm. It likely has an ectopic ureter. Oh, she had the dog for one day. I got on the phone with her because we're curbside, so I never saw the client. And I said, take this dog back to the breeder immediately. Yeah. Before you get attached, yeah, she was already attached. She was already attached to the dog, and now spending thousands of dollars for a dog with a genetic condition that the breeder did not identify. Never should have sold her the dog, mm -hmm. and now she's into thousands of dollars of diagnostics and surgical treatment for a dog she had for one day, and that is especially what especially if you're me. if you're meeting the the the, the pop and. You're, you know ahead of time that's the puppy you picked and you're yeah. watching it grow and you look excited to meeting them and then you get them. I can see how that attachment can be. It's happened this, even before. Is, in this case, it wasn't even that. The lady went to this breeder. And she fell in love. Fell in love with a dog she saw, liked it, taught, brought it home. And oh, by the way, the dog's dribbling all the time. That's a problem. A dog should not be dribbling all the time. My friend, uh, Laura, she lives out in, in BC. She um, uh, breeds Rottweilers. Mm -hmm. And her dogs are elite dogs. Wow. And she, in fact, I think she said she was ahead of the the uh, uh, Rottweiler, I don't know, oh, wow. Club or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and she... I might need to talk to her. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she, My ex-husband needs another dog. Oh, so okay. he wants a Rottweiler. Yeah, no, so. she, she breeds Rottweilers and Italian Greyhounds. Oh, I wow. I that's see a that there's like a bigger dog yeah. and a smaller dog. <laughs> but what she showed me was every test that she puts her dogs through mm -hmm. ahead of time physical Jeanette all of them yeah and it's extensive it's extensive yeah. and I was so impressed because I wouldn't even have known yeah I mean half of that and should I know I don't know or should I just trust I don't know but after talking to her I was like wow this is pretty incredible like right down to every little thing that can be I guess inherited, inherited yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And she knows the lines of her dogs going and I, good, it was just yeah. like, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll leave you her name and stuff like that, but, yeah. um, and she has all the, all the info and the pedigree and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I didn't even know half the stuff she showed me like for heart and yep. hips and joint and this and that. And I'm like, that's impressive. It's very impressive. So that's what you want when you're going to a breeder. You exactly. want to know that they're they know the breed and that they're doing all these tests ahead of time. Yeah. Or they won't breed and, the dog if yeah. they have even one little thing off. Exactly. Yeah. Breeding out some of the inherent yeah. uh, defects as well. So I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool and uh oh my god, her one 
the, her dogs are just uh, to die for. They're gorgeous. I love. I'm all like, why others. are you living in BC? Yeah. I want to visit you, and I want to like roll around the dog yeah, on the yeah. ground with your dogs. <laughs> I love Rottweilers. <laughs> okay, do you have any uh, crazy funny stories you want to tell, or do you want to? We can leave that for next time, or something that comes crazy up. Crazy funny stories. I'll have to think about that. We're always we're always laughing at the clinic. Yeah. We have crazy stuff that happens all the time. I have to think about that. I know one. when you like when you were asked to t- asked to say something. Let's think of something like I can't think of anything. And as soon as we're done, you're <laughs> exactly you remember. But we actually we, we have a lot of fun at the clinic. We yeah. we really have a, we have exceptional clients. Um, some clients not so much, but you know you you get the you take the good with the bad. Have you ever uh, turned away a client? Always good. Like, yeah, so what we fire clients all the time. Good because yeah. they're is it because they mistreat their animals or because they're no. jerks? No, we fire clients because uh, the number one reason I fire a client is if they're disrespectful to my team. All that's right. The number that's amazing. One, that's the number one reason I fire a client. I fired one last week because they were disrespectful to my team. See, I'm so, so sick of this. Uh, the um, customers always write bullshit. No, yeah. Well, I mean, customers are usually. But I mean, we take that. We take that philosophy. We do. We start not with that. Customers not when it comes to abusive when you're, behavior. When you're abusive to yeah. my team, um, and 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 it's just just crazy stuff that they expect. But you know what? That's very infrequent. You know, or we'll. Um, you know, we do report a lot of clients to the Humane Society for neglect. To. Yeah. Um, and so obviously you lose them as clients, but, you know, you don't want them as a client anymore. But uh, so, I mean, what you what you do is is um, correct me if I'm wrong is, you know, yes, it's a business, but it's also love. Oh, yeah. Like these aren't just like I'm not. This is what I see is that your your passion and compassion for for your patients quote unquote is like evident in everything that you do but it is a business as well yeah but i don't think you can do one without the other mm-hmm. like i don't it, these are just like you know cars that you're bringing in to tune up right yeah. <laughs> well we've always i've always practiced where my philosophy is i offer the best and the success of the business will be built on that so it's always yeah it's always offer the best, do the best, do the most, try and do as much as we can for a patient. And then the profitability of the practice, the success of the practice just follows. Yeah. I don't keep stats from a, from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't give the team members goals to reach. Yeah. I don't operate my practice that way. My practice is... Let's do as much as we can for every pet that walks in that door. We're going to treat it like they're our own or our family member's pet. And then the success of the practice, the financial part of it, mm-hmm. just follows. It follows because it just of follows. The, the level of uh, yeah. excellence that you offer people. Yeah. And, they're- and part of that excellent care is the number of people I hire. We've got a team of 25 people. Oh, wow. Like we do that because we're a service oriented clinic it's all about service it's a little bit challenging with covid but our service is what what um uh word i'm using um distinguishes it distinguishes us from other clinics oh we're very service oriented from the front team being trained constantly to the technicians the doctors it's very service oriented base if you notice we never keep clients waiting Again, with COVID, they have to wait in their car. No, but I mean, in the past, we had a 15-minute mandate. A client is sitting in a waiting room no longer than 15 minutes before they're brought into the treatment room or something's done to let them know that we're, we're dealing with them. And then when they're brought, like I said, when we go into the room, there's there's things in the room to, so the animal can maybe have a like yep. play or there's help play, them calm there's down toys, there's, there's treats there's treats in the cat room we have um catnip so we yeah. have everything to try and when they're in the exam in the waiting room and then moved into the uh, exam room they're given things to keep them occupied yeah. but again it's very rare that they're in there for more than five minutes before a doctor's in the room with them that's 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 incredible yeah. you know it's funny when i'm when I, I think I'm a pretty good judge of character and there's a lot of people that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's partly because of just me and my upbringing. It's part because I, you know, all the years I worked as a nurse, especially in the ER, you sometimes have to figure shit out quick in terms yeah. of, you know, 
personality, how to deal with someone. Some people you can joke a little bit with. Yeah, some yeah, people yeah. you can't. You, you got to be serious. Yeah. You got to measure the levity of the situation. And, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. It's just here now we got to deal with that. But when I first met you, I knew you were a good shit right away. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then even before we took our, our pet to see you and i was a little bit nervous because i was like okay well we're family is that okay well you're like well of course it is but yeah. in the same token it's like um and it was just out of respect where some will say oh she's a nurse we're gonna ask her every single question on the face of the earth we're gonna ask her to, to help us with all these things and i don't i don't even care like go yeah, ahead yeah. ask me whatever you want but i didn't want i didn't want to be like i didn't want to cross a line and you're yeah. like nah <laughs> bring him in you know yeah, exactly. and then when we first and then when we went in i was like i am not surprised that this place is like it is like i ever i thank expected you. it to be at the excellent level that it was thank you and it was just um it's i feel we feel very very fortunate oh, it's you. like well we've got the best vet in ontario <laughs> angie's family oh. <laughs> so we can be thank we you. can do the vet thing here and then have a fun time yeah, after yeah, right exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah anyway this has been great you i know, know it's a lot of fun so next time, why don't we talk about um, COVID? Yeah. Next can, time, yeah. how it's affected. Um, we were going to talk about that, but I, yeah. I think we had such a great conversation today before that. So talk about COVID and everything, how it affects you, how it's uh, affected your customers and yeah. just uh, maybe the effects. That's, that's a whole yeah. long topic, yeah. COVID and, and the effects. Are you okay with that? Keep... We'll talk about oh, that yeah. next time. Yeah, yeah. And then. Please think of some crazy stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot. I just can't think of them. Oh, that's at the top usually of the my way. Head. Yeah. If yeah. someone asks me, tell me some cool ER stories, I'm like, mm, there was that time. Uh, and then you, 10 minutes later, yeah. you got 100. I have one interesting one. Okay. It was a dog. Right, let's do this I, I before saw, we go. I just saw the dog. It's four years old now. I, I just saw it for its annual physical this week. And I was talking to the owners on the phone and I was reminiscing about when it was a puppy. It was a little um, Sheltie that okay. came in as a puppy. I think he was 12 weeks old at that time. And the dog had swallowed a fishing hook oh. with the fishing line. So the dog comes in. We take an x-ray. The hook is clearly in the stomach, but the line is sticking out of the dog's mouth. And we're running around frantic trying to figure out how to dislodge this fishing hook out of yeah. the dog's stomach and i just remember the dog sitting there just very casually looking around going i don't know what the trouble is here yeah. and he had this long fishing line sticking out of his mouth so we have a lot of resources so we get onto one of our resources and they said well the easiest thing to do number one don't cut the line because my instinct was yeah. to cut the line and they said just take the fishing line and take um, a gastric tube and put, so thread the fishing line through the gastric tube. Okay. So you're basically feeding the gastric tube with the fishing line as your guide. Yeah. And when it hits the hook, just wiggle it a bit and it'll dislodge it. So it did. And we were just freaking out. It actually worked. And the dog is just sitting there going, I don't get what the big deal is. <laughs> And it was so funny because I was talking that to the clients really cool. on the phone and I said, you'll never, they never saw the dog, but I still have the mental image of the dog sitting on my treatment room table with this line sticking out of its mouth going, I don't get what the big deal is. Yeah, like, well, whatever. So, so it was one of those really, but that's so that's interesting so too. Cool. Yeah. I was just thinking. And you must have been like, it worked. I Holy know, shit, I it worked. It worked. <laughs> But it, it's oh, so man. awesome practicing now because we have the resources. We have these. Would that have been a surgery before? Probably. Yeah. I would have, like, 25 years ago, I would have taken that dog to surgery. But you know what? It was an and easy And here's, like, fit. a whole series of abdominal yeah. surgery Oh, done. yeah, yeah. And the dog was just like, I don't get it. So the dog went home. He's like, whatever. <laughs> That's, like, kind of the cool <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I keep saying I love practicing now than even 30 years ago. Because 30 years ago, we didn't have access to ultrasound. If we wanted something ultrasound, we had to send it to the university. And now we have traveling ultrasonographers. We have traveling dentists. We have traveling cardiologists. We have traveling surgeons. We have traveling. That's amazing. Yeah. So now, there's so much we can do in private practice now. 
It's incredible. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun practicing. Because you, you have so much at your at your fingertips now, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've, you've got an incredible practice that, um, you know, reflects who you are as a person. Thank you. Right? So yeah. slime balls have slime ball practices. <laughs> Rock stars, yeah. as Van say, have rock star yeah, practices. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for coming on today. Of we course. are going to have the next episode that Sandra's on, and I know you guys are going to be like piling in the questions. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about COVID yeah. and some silly stuff. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks for coming Excellent. on. Excellent. Thank you. All right. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out. Yeah, you gotta watch your back. Cause you don't want to be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah. Subscribe. Make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. Stack. Stack.